Hello, Tour Story listeners. Thank you for your continued support, and welcome to Season 4. I'd like to take a second to thank our friends and sponsors over at Isotope. Here at Ruinous, Chris and I rely heavily on easy-to-use tools like RX and Ozone for all of our audio repair, mixing, and mastering. Now, Tour Story listeners can get 10% off Isotope plugins or try Music Production Suite Pro for free for 30 days using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. To get your discount and check out all of their easy-to-use products, go to isotope.com slash ruinous. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com slash ruinous. And use code FRET10. And thank you for listening. And we are super psyched to welcome our newest sponsor, Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest best source for premium, new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle, that's West Seattle, or Portland stores. You'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. I know because I'm in there a lot. Grab a cup of coffee, swing on in, don't spill your coffee, and check it all out. And now if you use code TOURSTORIES10, you can get 10% off at thunderroadguitars.com. Yes, that's me playing guitar. Hello, big news from our friends over at DistroKid. They now have an app. This app works on iOS and Android, of course, and it's available in the Apple Store and Google Play Stores and all the stores where you buy apps. Go check it out. It's got a lot of cool features. You can upload new releases. You can get notified when you've earned royalties. Awesome. You can withdraw from the app via push notifications. A little dangerous for me, but rad. Anyways, go check it out. It's all at distrokid.com app. And don't forget, you can still get 30% off your DistroKid account by going to distrokid.com VIP slash tour stories. Have a great one. we continue to celebrate our friends and partners over at Isotope, and we got some big news for you. The gold standard of audio repair, RX-11, is coming in May. In the meantime, you can buy RX-10 now on sale and get RX-11 absolutely free when it's released. Tour Story listeners get 10% off by using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All at isotope.com. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hi, Cray. Hi, Joe. How's it going? I'm all right. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Sorry for the uh, recording software issues there. We're on Zoom now. That's Welcome fun. to the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Riverside failed us, but I, I haven't given up hope on Riverside. Um, where are you? I am in LA. It's really hot here. Um, I'm not a summer person, so I'm just bitching and moaning. Where did you grow up? I was born in Denver, Colorado, actually, and I spent mm, the first 14 years of my life there. And then I um, left, went to the East Coast, and then made my way to LA, I think, I don't know, when I was 17. What have you been up to in this heat? Staying inside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, mostly staying inside, but I, I've been really overwhelmed with work. So, and honestly, I, 
LA is super expensive and going outside is always risking either sitting in traffic in the heat or spending money. Because when you sit in traffic, you are spending money. It's like $7 a gallon for gas here. So it's just not worth going out really. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, you have an awesome new record, which I got to hear before most people, couples (laughs) only. And I'm assuming you've, you know, you've been working on it. Uh, It didn't happen overnight. You've been working on it probably for the last year or so. And um, for us musicians, the world has changed drastically. We may be coming back to a little bit of a before times where we can tour and play shows, etc. But in addition to all that, you've had a couple drastic things happen in your life. And I, after listening to the record, I can't help but think that's where this record came from. Um, that is exactly where it came from. I think, well, a couple of things. I didn't work on this record. I'm trying to think. I, I record in a really strange way. I don't pre-write anything. Mm. Everything's recorded on the fly. So I actually didn't spend any time working on this record except for when I was recording, which was, I think I did 18 songs in 21 days and oh. then, um, and then whittled it down to the best 11. And I have to learn the songs before I start playing them live and, and um, you know, playing shows because I don't know the songs. Yeah. Um, I only played them when I, you know, as I was recording them. So I, I write them as I record them, um, which is unusual, I guess, for a lot of rock musicians. But on the other hand, it does feel like I spent years making it because it was a couple of years of experience, life experience, and um, some crazy events that um, make up this record in terms of content and themes. So in that way, it has been in the making for a couple of years. Yeah. And I've read a little bit that this is um, a divorce record. And I... Just like Adele's, Adele's divorce record. It's the follow-up. <laughs> the counter action to it um and i coincidentally have come across a few divorce records lately but this one not to say that it's not thoughtful because i very much think it's thoughtful but unlike the other ones i've been hearing recently that maybe are only thoughtful this one is like to the point it's not messing around it doesn't leave you much room to guess what the fuck's going on um is that how you feel like you delivered the news as if you were. <laughs> um yeah i i was not trying to be poetic with this uh you know it's a divorce record on the surface but it deals with a lot of things i think um loss betrayal um the realization of uh i don't know like i i guess facing mortality um mm-hmm. My marriage fell apart very, very fast, like within a month. Um, It was turned upside down and it was also um, shit hit hit the fan right after I was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis, which is usually something that people are diagnosed with in infancy. And at first the prognosis was really bad. Um, Average lifespan for people with cystic fibrosis right now is 40. Um, So there it was a lot the the diagnosis happened i was hospitalized um and then a month later i graduated from college and then a few weeks after that 
my husband took off in a very extreme way. So that's a lot. And then, um, and then of course, every, the, everything after that was just the process of losing my life as I knew it. Everything from my home, my cats, my possessions, my home studio, my record label that I had with him, um, my car, and then my health insurance and everything. Um, and then living on friends' sofas for a year. And then uh, the pandemic happened. <laughs> so it, it's just so much happened in such little time. And in order to get through the day-to-day, I didn't allow myself to feel everything that was inside. You know, I just kind of stored it and compartmentalized and distracted myself with just basic survival um, and the day-to-day, what you have to do day-to-day just to get through. So um, I put all the emotional stuff or, or most of the emotional stuff on the back burner. And when I made this record, it all surfaced and I just kind of puked it out. Yeah. Um, and because I record everything as it happens, you know, the, the lyrics are improvised and recorded. Uh, you know, I, I'm basically freestyling the lyrics. I do two takes of vocals usually. The first take is just whatever's coming out. Some stuff makes sense, some stuff's jibber jabber. And by the second take, I have um, what I want to say. But I didn't go back and think about, oh, this is too blunt or, oh, this is um, not subtle enough or, like you said, like straight to the point. I think I used to be more precious about lyrics and on other records, I maybe was a little more poetic, but this one, there's just some things you just, that just came out and yeah. there was no beating around the bush. It's just, it's yeah. pretty straightforward, you know? Yeah. And I really, I really like that. Um, there's time to be poetic later on in life. Yeah. I, I, I don't yeah, not think that it's that. not poetic. I think I think we'll look at it as that also, but it is to the point to say the least. And there's I, no sugar coating. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> no sugar coating to it. Um, and uh, I'd like to play. I know who you are. How's that sound? Sure. All right. Here we go.
that was the first single and it's also the first track on the record and i think it is just straight to the throat yeah again to say the least um before we get into more of the songs and and i want to talk a little bit about your recording some more i love the intro to that tune and it reminds me of suicide as soon as i heard it did you have that i love suicide no actually um not consciously i i'm a big suicide fan but because I record the way I do, there's never any kind of intention beforehand. Um, and actually, that's probably why a lot of the songs on the record sound different from each other. They don't really fit into a genre. But I, but that song, the intro, I'm actually um, singing to the dog who is at the studio, the studio uh-huh. dog, Ginger, um, and just messing around on the bridge of my guitar, um, which I, I do a lot. I do a lot of playing on the bridge using, um, picking the strings at the bridge and a tremolo, you know, like a whammy bar and messing around. And it almost sounds like steel drums sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but so that's, that was that intro. And that was very much how I start recording songs is I just kind of mess around, sing some stuff to the dog. Um, and, but we decided to keep that intro in there. Yeah, and it's also so much different. You know, the song really comes in with a different vibe. I love it. So did you make this record? Well, I know you didn't mix this record uh, because I heard a funny story about Chad Blake, but I'd like to ask. <laughs> um, but um, how'd you make this record? Did you, you didn't make it alone, did you? No, 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 okay. no. no. Um, I think this kind of stuff is way too emotional for me to ever do it alone. I, I, have, I have an EP I recorded completely by myself in a bathroom in New York City that came out many years ago um, that I did make alone. And I I look back on that and I'm not sure how I got myself to do it because it's really hard for me to force myself to, you know, like, oh, I'm going to go make this record and I'm going to let it all out. I don't want to feel this stuff, you know. I, I didn't want to go through those emotions. So um, 
I made the record with Joe Cardamone. He produced the last two records. He's been the only producer I've worked with. And I think maybe that's because, first of all, we've known each other for 17 years. He was very present when I was going through all of these things. He has been a huge, he's just been my main collaborator and friend for many years. And he knows how I work. There was no holdups. There was no questioning. The immediacy, how I record and it being such an immediate process, it takes a special kind of person to be able to get with that and understand it and go with it and be able to add and contribute. So we recorded at his house Uh and we did my touring bassist actually, Drew Rollo. He came and he lives in Nashville. He flew to LA for a couple of weeks and he sat in with us. And, and that was probably the first time. Yeah, it was the first time I think that I've had a touring band member be mm-hmm. part of a recording. And then when those basic tracks were finished, I sent it around to friends to play on. And so there are several friends who added touches of what they do after um, the tracks are finished. Then we recorded live drums, a few, a lot of samples of live drums that we ended up cutting together and putting to the songs. But Devin Ashley, who is a great drummer, he was in town for a day. We went into the studio and recorded some drums to the already um, recorded basic tracks. Yeah. And that was it. Sent it off to get mixed by Chad Blake, which was very strange. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was a huge, that was a very pleasant surprise for him to be involved. And that's how it happened. Mm-hmm. And uh a couple things with with uh with Chad Blake being involved is um the the song um without you whatever yeah as you said earlier uh there's some variation uh, on the record and that seems to stick out yeah. as you know the most yes. and um and it has a almost a Phil Spector kind of girl group but meets uh, almost the way the 80s interpreted that version of music. To, that That's what it sounds like to me. And um, what I heard is that you sent all the songs to Chad to listen to and maybe mix, and you told him that you probably weren't going to put this song on the record, which I think is the greatest song on the record. And uh, what did he say? He said, that's your single. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I said, I said, oh, by the way, I realize the sessions includes um, without you, whatever, don't bother with that one because I'm not going to put it on the record anyway. And he said, that's a huge mistake. That's your single. And I've never had, you know, it, it, you could hear you've heard the record. I don't really write singles. Um, it's usually a struggle to figure out what the quote unquote single sure. is or um, it's, this record's a little bit more sonically listener friendly structurally maybe listener friendly than at least than compared to the first one but um but he said this is actually catchy and i don't think i've ever written anything catchy or at least i hear that i can't write anything catchy so when he said that something clicked in me because i was like maybe that's why i don't like it yeah (laughs) i really did not like that song it was almost a joke i'm singing in falsetto basically for most of it you know it's way out of my range the whole vibe is completely different. I mean, lyrically speaking, it's not as light 
as it sounds right off the yeah. bat, you know, um, yeah, sure. the lyrics are loaded, but it's kind of a fun, poppier song. And I don't know if I've ever um, been accused of making fun <laughs> <laughs> songs. So it's like, you know, fun and lighthearted. Um, but yeah, that was not going to go on the record. And Chad was the one who said, you know, this has to go on. It would be a mistake not to include it. And I think the me, the 17 year old me, or I'm, I mean, I'm not going to lie, probably just the me five years ago <laughs> would have said, you know, no way, fuck off. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of an experiment. I just said, you know, whatever, I'll, I'll put it on. Um, and as you said, as you know, you like it. So many people have told me that that's their, their favorite song. So it's pretty funny. And now I'm like, geez, I should have been putting out songs this whole time that I thought were bad. <laughs> I think they're bad. Other people probably like them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it is up for me. It's also, I know who you are. I don't know. That's a doozy also. I don't, I, but. It shows range. It shows range. Yeah. It's really fun to listen to. And I imagine it'll be fun to see live if you wind up doing it live. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'll be able to, I mean, honestly, it's nearly impossible for me to sing. You could even hear on the record a couple times where my, I barely make it to the notes. Yeah. I will probably have to figure out. Um, an alt key in order to do it live, but we'll see, get me drunk enough and I'll try anything. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and with three of these songs, I believe you, you've made the videos. Is that right? Um, Yeah. I've always been involved with the videos of everything I've done. So it's funny from the beginning to now, there are some very low fi, like low def, very amateur looking videos, you know, that I was making on, iMovie or whatever. But I always am involved in some way. I'm always involved in figuring out, you know, the creative direction and I either direct or a friend directs or I edit or co-edit. So I always have a big hand in that. I really love videos and um, visual representation of my music. And I feel like editing has been, it's hard for me to find a video editor who can do it the way I want to do it. And I think that's just because I know the song, I know the pacing and that pacing is a huge deal with editing. So um, these videos I've done, I did two with Joe, who also produced the record. Um, I did the I Know Who You Are video with him and a friend. I did On the Run, which was the second single with him. And then Without You Whatever, I did with my friend Mimi. I went to England and she directed it and shot it. And my friend Laura Mary Carter, who's also my podcast co-host and in the band Blood Red Shoes. She sings on one of the songs on the record and she co-stars in the Without You Whatever video. And then I just made one with Johnny Knoxville that's coming out next month. And then I'm shooting another one next week with some girlfriends. So yeah, it's just my friends and me fucking around. Has visual art always been a part of your life? Uh, Videos, yes. Since I started releasing music, I've also made little videos. And then now I'm also, in the last few years, I've gotten really into sculptural epoxy artwork and that are kind of abstract, big, huge pieces. And then I'm also doing these little epoxy dioramas that are kind of funny. And I make guitar knobs. That's It started as me making guitar knobs. Now they're in, I'm making pieces of art, I guess you could say. But I don't consider myself like a visual artist in that way but i guess i guess i am how fancy fancy of me i hope i'm responsible for you realizing you're a visual artist the other thing you do which is 
the most fantastic art form is podcasting. Oh, yes. And our friend Zeke turned me on to your podcast, Never Meet Your Idols, which is really good. It's so fun and funny. And um, I think you're going to continue doing that, hopefully with us. Ruinous. That's our plan. Um, That's the dream. What did you and (laughs) how did you and Laura start that? What was the catalyst for that? Uh, We toured together. Her band Blood Red Shoes and Queen Kwong did a tour together. Um, It was actually the last tour I played the end of 2019 before the pandemic. And while we were on tour, we had this idea about we should do a podcast of being on tour and us chatting every night, kind of recapping whatever crazy thing happened on tour that day. And that didn't happen because we were busy on tour and just never, (laughs) we're such a mess, just never got around to, you know, it was like 28 shows in 30 days. So, and then the pandemic happened and she lives in England and she's one of my best friends. And we were just constantly texting and talking about stuff we could still do, even though we were in lockdown and separated and quarantined. And I think everyone started a podcast at this point and we were like, oh yeah, we should do a podcast. Maybe we should just do talk about tour stuff, you know, because nobody's touring right now. And she's actually a huge, she turned me on to your podcast. She's this podcast. Um, she's a huge fan. And, and I said, well, we, you know, we didn't want to totally rip you off. (laughs) So, uh, I don't, I don't know that that was the first direction. And then I think we've always griped about, oh, I know. Actually, I'm not sure if she remembers this. This is funny. I just remember this. A guy we both know in a band slid into, he slid into my DMs and I told her about it. And she said, oh my gosh, he hit me up last year. <laughs> and we started talking about, we started just bitching about dudes and bands. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the shenanigans and just about how people put celebrities on pedestals. Sure. And how we've met a lot of these people that people look up to and it's, and it's like, oh, if only they knew. Yeah. Um, so then I think the podcast was maybe, you know, I was all about like, oh, let's just have a podcast throwing everybody under the bus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's a lot nicer and shyer than I am. So she just is like, no, that's <laughs> a fast way to burn every bridge. <laughs> so um, basically, I was just, what if it's, you know, that saying like, you never want to meet your hero, you never want to meet your idol, but we get people who are people's idols, like rock stars and celebrities to talk about when they met their idol and hopefully share some kind of funny story and kind of have them throw another person, another idol under the bus, Um, which actually was harder to get people to talk about than you'd think. You know, I think um, a lot of the guests who came on and we've had members of The Strokes, members of The Cure, Ian Asbury, Mark Lanigan, um, all the way, we had Zack Snyder, oddly enough. Um, so we decided, oh, maybe we should do people who are not just rock stars, you know, but um, yeah. anyone who's somebody's idol and then basically talk shit about their idol. Yeah. And then they, and then they email me, before, you know, right afterwards. They're like, that was a lot of fun. Do you think you could take that part out that I said about I really? the main story? What are you talking about? Oh, yeah. Um, what about Dave Grohl? We got to get him on there. That is he's the best person in the world. Yeah, oh my god. He is. He is our number one target guest. Um Dave, you want to come in here? No, <laughs> well, I do want to say, like, do Wait. you want to come and, and uh confirm if you're an asshole or not? 
it's just one of those things like every guy, almost every younger guy we had on always talked about Dave Grohl. Oh, when I met Dave Grohl, he was amazing. He's great, nicest guy in the world. And it got so, it got to the point where I was suspicious. Yeah, sure. There's no way. There's no way this guy is that nice. But he is. I've known him for a long time. I, I guess he could come to the podcast and we'll see. But I don't know we'll him that. that. Yeah, exactly. Him us, but I don't know. We're not, exactly. we're not besties. Who knows him that well? That's the thing. Right. And to that, I have been, as I told you earlier, I want to tell you about the time I met my hero, but it's so dicey. I feel... See what I mean? I really am uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't know if it's the right thing to do. And it's not like I witnessed a murder or anything. And he was a complete freak. But <laughs> I just don't know. I'm going to do it. I want to tell someone. Yeah, yeah. It's really, us. It was really... It's just let it out. Yeah. yeah, we'll have to have you on the show and uh, we'll get it out of you. And it's been, it was, it's been, it was funny because I got pretty good at getting people to spill the beans. Yeah. But then, you know, an hour after we sign off, I get an email. Yeah. Of like, hey, you know, that one part when I said this, do you think you can take that out? You know? <laughs> That's why I don't want, yeah. I don't know if I want, I don't want to send you that email. I want, I just want to make the decision. Not to commit, just commit. Um. You have any plans to tour this record? You know, I really want to because predominantly I am a live artist. Um, mm. That's how I've gotten most of the attention I've gotten. It's it's and my entire fan base based on live shows. It's what I do best. I really want to, but I have no set plans. I don't have a booking agent anymore. I have to figure that out. It's a whole different hustle that I really don't want to get into. I just hopefully want to have friends and bands take me out. I love being a support band. I love going on tour with friends. Um, so I'm hoping someone in a band will just ask me to go out with them uh, and, and we can just get rid of the booking agent middleman. <laughs> so that's the hope. My audience is predominantly overseas. So it's a process. It's um, a trek. It's a slog. Yeah. It's a huge expense. I really want to do it, but I'm also in a different phase of my life right now where I, I used to just tour no matter what and just be like, oh, sleep on floors, I don't care, and just work myself, you know, just grind myself down. And with having CF and COVID still being a very real thing, um, I know I have to be a little bit more careful with touring, but sure. honestly, if the opportunity came up, yes, I, yeah. I want to. I want to. Have you? And you have toured extensively with Nine Inch Nails, right? <laughs> Strangely enough. How how were those tours? Awful. They were. I mean, it's almost like a running joke. It's how many different tours can I open for Nine Inch Nails in my lifetime and make a total disaster out of? Like, how do I one-up myself? And every few years, I open another Nine Inch Nails tour, and it's always like one-upping the last one in terms of something going wrong and something being bad. What um, disasters? Disasters. You know, the first time I opened for Nails, I was, a, like, I was so young. I was a teenager. I was only me and a guitar. I mean, I think I've blocked out a lot of that, but it was, it was bad. It was, I think I'd only played with my high school band in front of friends at you know, friends parties and uh, singer songwriter open mics. And yeah. then I'm opening for Nine Inch Nails. And 
it was the first shows of his comeback after many years of um, not playing and not releasing music. So it was, what was that record called? Um, With Teeth. Yeah. The very first shows and the f- and they sold out in minutes and the first thing that the very serious Nine Inch Nails fan saw was me but you know just a teenage girl with a guitar and I had no idea what I was doing you know they put in ears in ear monitors in my ears I had n- never played with them before it really confused me yeah um, I spent two songs just not even singing because I was just struggling to understand what I was hearing in my ears and it was oh. very very it was terrible. And Trent was on the side of the stage giving me like a thumbs up and Mm -hmm. people were just throwing water bottles at my head, yelling at me. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that was awesome. And then I opened some shows in Vegas. Um, It was like three back-to-back shows in Vegas and it was the, it takes the cake. Um, I did have a band and I had a drummer who I'd only used for a little bit and he had a meltdown, complete meltdown. I I thought, you know, I'm one of those people and there's pressure. I just usually rise to the occasion. The pressure did not, he had the opposite reaction to pressure. He had never played shows this big and he just forgot the songs completely to the point where my guitarist Elise and my bass player Drew and I, we were all the front looking at you know you're supposed to kind of play it off like oh just keep playing keep playing there was a point where Elise had to literally stop playing because we had no idea what song he was playing right and you look back and you're a drummer like you look back at him and his head is down like he's just banging away at some un some unknown beat you know with his head down no eye contact no communicating with us just total disaster um we didn't have any very often with support bands, you don't get like, uh, especially when it's a band that big, you don't get a sound check, you know, it's yeah, yeah. a line check. And I mean, the sound was awful. Sure. Couldn't hear anything except him bang, banging away on drums on to some song none of us have ever heard. And he played the entire set like that. Oh my God. I feel. Yeah, it was, it was one of the most, I mean, Elise, my guitarist, was crying afterwards. And she said, never, never, never make me play ever again. Don't make me do it. And that was the first show. So we had a day off in between before the next two shows. And so I was trying to figure out a way to talk to him and, and you know, give him feedback, but not scare him. Yeah. Um, so I said, yeah, we really have to call the band meeting. We really have to get it together. Come on, guys. Come on. We, we got to do this. Like, do we need to run through the songs again? What's going on? And, and he acted like nothing was wrong. He's like, I don't know. I just couldn't hear it because the sound was so bad. And I said, mm-hmm. yeah, but I mean, the sound's always bad for us. Come on. You know, like you, you learn how to play shows even if the sound's bad, but he just had every excuse in the book. Um, but that night, since we had a night off, Buckethead was playing. It was very strange. And we ended up going. And beforehand, we ate some edibles. <laughs> and I don't know if the edibles are stronger in Vegas or what, but we were at the Hard Rock, which is where we're staying. And that's where Niels was playing. And then Buckethead was playing the small theater there. And when you play there, I guess, or at least for us, we had these cards to get us down to the employees section to eat. I've been there. Yeah. Okay. In the basement, yeah. in the basement of yeah. the Hard Rock in Vegas. And it, and what happened was we took, we ate some edibles, these gummies. Yeah. And I don't usually do that. 
And I didn't realize how insane it would be. So we're at, we're first at this buck, this buckethead show and it kicked in. And I remember looking at my friend and saying, I said something like, why is your face on delay? And, and, you know, and all these guys at the Buckethead show had the Buckethead heads on, like Bucketheads, and everything just looked so crazy. So my bandmates were like, let's go downstairs and get you something to eat. I go downstairs and I'm lost. It's like, it's, it was a nightmare because it's this labyrinth underneath, underneath the casino as we're trying to find the cafeteria. Yeah. I somehow get separated from them. I'm totally lost. I keep thinking I've peed my pants, which is some weird thing that happens when I'm tripping. I'm like, I peed my pants in my pants finally make it to the cafeteria and we sit down and i'm eating and i'm laughing and who you know drummer comes the drummer who fucked up sits down we start talking and i start saying basically talking a bunch of shit on him saying like you really you really messed up you did such a bad job what the fuck is wrong with you but i'm thinking that it's in my head like i'm thinking these are thoughts i'm having in my head wow and my head can't keep up with my mouth. And then I realized like, maybe I just said that. And, I, and I'm saying all this stuff as I'm thinking it, but not knowing that I'm saying it. And I look to my bass player because everybody's reaction, everyone was just like, oh God, why are you saying this right now? And I, and I looked at Drew, my bass player, and I said, am I saying this out loud? And he said, yes. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> um, and then the second show the drummer did show up and he didn't do any better. Oh, poor guy. And then, oh, come on. We're not going to feel this. <laughs> extreme anxiety. It was. It was extreme anxiety. And boy, did it give me extreme anxiety. Yeah, of course. But then he left and we, we didn't see him. He didn't come back to the hotel room. He was sharing with my bassist. Yeah. He disappeared. We thought he got on a plane and flew back home. Yeah. So the third show, he didn't, we had no idea if he was going to show up. No one had heard from him. That's not cool. And it was the last show that, and it was like, am I playing this as a solo artist again? Like flashback to being, you know, the first time I opened for Nails by myself. And how do I do these songs? I can't play these songs, just me and a guitar. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, and he showed up. He showed up at the last minute. It was horrible. Mm-hmm. It was just as much of a shit show as the f- first two. Yeah. And he came back to the dressing room afterwards. And I said, this is where we part ways. I never want to see you again. Yeah. He laid down on the floor and put a towel over his head and refused to move. We had, he was like that for two hours. We had to get someone to remove him from the dressing room. Gosh. I never saw him again. He tried to like Venmo request money for his taxi to the airport. And I, that was it. So, yeah. And this was Dave Grohl. <laughs> Dave Grohl. His name is Dave Grohl. That's why, <laughs> that's why you want to talk. You want to tell people about that. I need to, I need to get it out there. I'm using this show. I'm using your show. Dave Grohl messed up my entire career, messed up those Nine Inch Nails shows I was playing. Yeah. Well, I hope you get a band together and play these tunes. Me too. Maybe I'll play drums. I promise I won't do that. (laughs) Um, You play better than Dave Grohl. All right. Well, um, I'll see you down the road somewhere, I hope. Yeah, let's definitely cross paths. And uh, take care of yourself and stay healthy. Thanks. You too. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Bye.